Good day and welcome to episode 64 of the Plus One Player Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Steve, and this week we got a packed house. I am joined, as always, by the lore connoisseur himself, Matt Martinez. Hello. Hello, Matt. And we are joined by the Empress of Stardew Valley, Christine. Hi. And this week we're joined by the Sudafed Queen, Kate. Hello, yes. Steven. <laughs> How are you feeling, Kate? Uh, feeling I'm, better? I'm feeling better, finally. Today's That's like the first day in two weeks that I'm feeling better. Thank God. So yeah, we had you sick. We had Matt Sudafed sick. Sudafed sucks. Well, it not the good stuff. It didn't work <laughs> very well. The 12-hour one, that one kind of messes with you. Okay, you have I to use that, that when, you, when you don't have anywhere to go. Okay. I've taken that before. Dayquils. Dayquil didn't <laughs> work for Day- me either. Dayquil's Popping my it jam. like it's candy. Yeah, I never, uh, I never got into the Dayquil. Nyquil though, uh, fucks with some Nyquil. I'm afraid of Nyquil. <laughs> One time I took Nyquil and I slept for 16 hours. <laughs> I, I haven't taken Nyquil since. Yeah. Well, speaking of Nyquil, Manny is actually in a Nyquil-induced coma, so oh. he's not waking up for this episode of the podcast, but. While he's taking a little nap, we're going to keep the house clean. So, as always, follow us on social media at Plus One Player on Twitter and Instagram. And that's at Plus the Number One Player. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Plus One Player. So go check out the social media. And, of course, check out the website, which is Plus One Player.com. There you'll find all our content, all our podcasts, and, of course, links to our Twitch, which is Twitch.tv slash Plus One Player. We stream nearly every single night of the week. I finally got the capture card working, so the Metal Gear stream is happening soon, and I'm very excited. So go check us out on twitch.tv slash plus one player, and of course, on the website and in the Twitter bio, find the link to our Discord. Come on and join the community. We're having a great time with great people. We'd love to have you, unless, of course, you're racist, in which case, we would not love to have you, because you stink, pal. And after all of that, if you like what we do, go check us out on patreon.com slash plus one player. Think of throwing us a buck or two if you're feeling generous. Every dollar goes right back into the show. We're going to give a shout-out at the end of this episode because this is the last episode of the month to all of our wonderful Patreon supporters. And, of course, the show is brought to you by Nerdiest Brands, but I'll tell you about that a little bit later. So we have a packed episode 64. Dare I say, love is in the air this week. So, Matt, a lot of love. fill us in on what we got going on this week. All right, well, today we are going to play a new game, Get Excited, and I'm not going to tell you about it now. I'll tell you about it in a minute, but we're playing a new love-themed game. Then after that, we are going to move on to the topic of the pod, which is romance in gaming, the good, the bad, and the meh. (laughs) We're going to discuss what makes good video game romance, what makes bad video game romance, some of our favorite moments from uh, romances in various video games and dive into that and also can't wait to hear some of our community's favorite romances and games and then uh, we're gonna end the pod as usual with some patch notes where we'll discuss the news all right so we are going to uh, I actually have a coming in the room right now and I'm gonna get up so he can sit down Hello, everyone. Welcome to our newest G2CAG standalone game, Swipe Right or Die Alone. I'm... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm America's favorite niche podcast game show host, 
Larry Rutabaga, and welcome. Swipe Right or Die Alone is a dating show game in which one contestant will be asking our prospective first dates various questions to learn more about them. The trick is each of those prospective first dates will be answering as a video game character, and at the end of the questioning, our single contestant will need to guess which character each of them is and tell us who she most wants to go on a date with. If you're tuning in at home, you can guess along with her. I'd like to introduce our contestant now. Here's Kate. Hey. Thanks. <laughs> oh, oh my Jesus. God. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, Kate, why don't you take it away with your questions for our <laughs> contestants? First impressions are very important, and I am not going to give you a do-over. So tell me, what is your ideal first date? Contestant number one. Well, I got to tell you, I am a big fan of nature. One would actually say I could be considered one with nature. I spent a lot of time outdoors, like a lot of time outdoors. (laughs) So I think it'd be pretty fun to go out, nice stroll in the park. And I don't know if you're into the hunting scene, but I'm a pretty good hunter for sport and survival. I've had to do both. Uh, So... Mm. I think that'd be a fun time. Nature is gross, but thank you. Contestant number two. (laughs) Well, I haven't been much into the dating scene recently, but I think a nice first date would be to go take a walk around the wasteland and solve some mysteries. Maybe hunting down some old mob bosses. You never know. Sounds Mm. exciting. Contestant number three. Well, you know, I would take you out to dinner. And we would consume some some souls of some mortals. Okay. Sounds <laughs> spicy. <laughs> well, for my second question, some people might describe me as hashtag basic, but honestly, who doesn't love pumpkin spice, yoga pants, and playing oh Skyrim? God. So what are three <laughs> hashtags you would associate with yourself and why? Contestant number one. Uh, hashtag parrot. Hashtag nature (laughs) (laughs) and hashtag i shoot animals and people (laughs) oh my god okay care to explain that's it i feel like does that really need i mean come on (laughs) the the parrot yeah uh i like i said i'm i'm a nature lover i am an animal lover just because i hunt for sport it's because that's how i feed myself so i have a pet parrot who's always by my side. Okay. Contestant number two. I I don't know what a hashtag is, but I would <laughs> probably use uh, hashtag kill super mutants, hashtag detective work, or hashtag hackers unite. You are all business, contestant number two. Oh. Contestant number three, what about you? My hashtags would probably be hashtag domination, hashtag vampirism, <laughs> Hashtag corruption. And yeah, that's probably all. So you're an edgelord. I see. All right. All right. Ted Bundy Domination. over here. <laughs> so my third and final question. 52% of marriages end in divorce. And if we split up, I am totes going to keep the ring. So it's like super important to get to know each other beforehand. What are your biggest relationship do's and don'ts? Contestant number one. Don't give away my location. <laughs> don't feed the parrot. I feed the parrot. And you know what? P- 
please don't make any comments about my eyes. Sometimes they have a knack of just doing weird things. I can't control it. It it just is what it is. Okay. Do you and have... for dues? Yeah. Dues. Yeah, I, I got some dues. Let's go on you know a nice like two week hunting trip. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm all about I'm all about patience. I like to take my time, like a lot of time. <laughs> like I'll definitely outlive you that kind of time. Thank you. Next right, that's about it. contestant number two. Thank you. Nick. For relationship, don'ts. Don't do drugs. Definitely don't eat corpses. That's a terrible idea. And um. Don't believe that slavery is a good idea. It's morally wrong. For relationship dues, always be kind-hearted and help those in need. And don't turn down people that need help. Help me fix a relationship with my brother. That'd be great. And just because I'm not organic doesn't mean I can't be loved. Oh. oh. Contestant number three. Uh, Yeah, my dues would be, you know, let's just sow seeds of... of strife in the mortal realms for eternity and then <laughs> uh you know my don'ts are you know don't try and trick me because i'll murder you and okay. consume your soul uh, and torture you for all eternity oh my god and you know i do is probably also you know i'm i'm kinky like with some <laughs> kinky stuff and as the father of vampires uh, you know, let's see what other uh, immortal races we can create together. Oh. All right. Okay. All right, Kate, would you like to guess who contestant number one is? Yes. He is the end for Metal Gear Solid 3. I am. Wow. For a second, I thought you were Arthur Morgan with the first one. <laughs> I did too. But then you said yeah, parrot, same. so I figured it out. Yeah, I was skeptical about giving away the parrot because I thought that would have been the key, but I also thought maybe you overlooked it. But, well, you know, that no. combined with the fact that you will outlive me and you're very patient. That'll do it. Uh, very patient. Yes. <laughs> very patient. So patient. Okay. All right. And what about contestant number two? Um, I want to say that you are Nick Valentine from Fallout 4. Yes. Okay. Uh, I knew you were Fallout 4. I knew that one. And I was like, I think it's Nick. But it might be the, the guy from, option the, guy from the railroad because you were talking about uh-huh. like helping people a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Deacon, uh, I think she is said his detective name. like six times. That's like. true. <laughs> and she said hunt down mobster. So Nick Valentine. Yes. I don't and know what about who the fuck he is. <laughs> number three. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I am going to guess. I feel like he's a Daedric prince. He is. He definitely is yeah. a Daedric prince. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. Uh oh. I want to say. I want to say Molag Ball, but it is okay. Hey. <laughs> Well, who would you go on? Who would you go on the date with? Um, are you yeah. supposed to definitely pick? Nick Valentine because I like wow. mysteries. Yes. Rude. <laughs> and I don't like eating souls or sitting in a um, tree stand <laughs> for eighty years, <laughs> uh, <laughs> waiting to snipe to someone. <laughs> and listen, Nick would just call you a great time gal, and he wouldn't make oh. any passes at you. He's a good guy, and he's got that the- robot dick. Bethesda did him dirty by not making him romanceable. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. Well, Kate has swiped right on 
Nick Valentine and looks like Molag Ball and the end are going to die alone. I'm your host, whoa, whoa, Larry Rutabaga. I have a parrot. <laughs> I'm your host, Larry Rutabaga. And thanks for tuning in to Swipe Right or Die Alone. Good night. Have a good evening. Good night. All right, Steve, before we move into the topic of the pod, who's our sponsor? Our sponsor, of course, is Nerdiest Brands. And if you don't know, Nerdiest Brands is a fantastic website that features products from vendors and designers from around the world, no matter the nerdy fandom. So if you'd like some rad nerdy gear, head on over to nerdiestbrands.com. That's nerdiest, N-E-R-D-I-O-U-S, brands.com. Back to you, Matt. Thank you. All right, well, we're going to move into our topic of the pod. Which, like I said at the top of the show, is romance in gaming. The good, bad, and the meh. So, I thought we'd start off maybe just with some romances that we've liked in games before. Who'd like to start? First of all, I would just like to say that since I was a young child, I have dreamed of the opportunity to talk about the Alistair romance from Dragon Age Origins to a captive (laughs) audience. So, I would like to thank everyone for allowing me to do so. For making this dream possible. Yes, you've made my dream come true. You're uh, welcome. So, yeah, that <laughs> that to me is the zenith of romance in video games. I have yet to wow. find anything that tops it mm. for a lot of reasons that I won't talk about for 40 minutes. But so it's a Bioware game. You have your pick of romance options. I think the Alistair romance is really great because one... His personality is just really lovable. He's adorable. I was going to romance the elf because I usually always do that. And then I was like... Zevran? Yeah. And then I was like... That's who I romance. Nope. Nope. (laughs) I loved Zevran. I mean, Zevran is cool, but the Alistair romance is just really good. I think it's really good because he... You know, your character is on a journey of discovery and saving the world and yada, yada, yada. And Alistair is also on a similar journey of finding out who he is and if he wants to be king and all these other things. So I think that it lent a lot of weight to his romance and you sort of, as his girlfriend, can influence the paths he chooses. And yeah, it's just, it's just very well written. He's very adorable and it's my favorite romance ever. (laughs) I romanced him also. I, (laughs) I can never not romance him. So Severn was so mysterious, though he was great. I mean, he's good. He's fine. (laughs) He's just not the best boy. (laughs) I was gonna bring up like written romance between Bayek and Aya in Assassin's Creed Origins. I think is so well written, and I think the voice acting of both of those characters is so good. Because when you start the game, Origin spoilers, whatever it's been out of your Bayek is by himself, and you know he has a partner or a wife. Uh, she's just not present. And then I think the first time you guys meet is once you make it to Alexandria, and it's because she is a uh, attendant or assassin of Cleopatra's, so she's, like, traveling all around. And you you both meet, and you've seen, like, Bayek up to this point have this, like, intense love for his son who... It's murdered at the very beginning, right? And first five minutes. And it's like finding fucking Nemo. Oh. 
<laughs> I guess Nemo dies. I mean, yeah, Nemo's. Well, no, there's just a massacre of the entire. No, I know. <laughs> I know. Got spoilers. And the moment where I was like, "Oh wow, this is really great," is like when they first see each other and that whole scene. It's just so well done, which is like often hard, I think, to do both in in movie and films in books like when two people who love each other so intensely have been apart and it's that first moment where they see each other i feel like it's so easy to get that moment wrong and i thought origins like did such a good job of building up like how much you know bayek really loves her and uh and vice versa it was too. yeah for sure yeah it's just uh i think it's a very well done written romance about two characters where there's no like player choice involved agreed so that would I, like, be my actually up. top one i oh. teared up when that like when that scene happened i was like oh my god this is so well done it's to me it seemed very realistic which is came off uh, as genuine right exactly like you know when i hate i love you know i'm a sucker for a romance but watching like some like the cliches and tropes i'm like oh my god even i can't stomach this so it was nice to see something that was like oh this I, this is believable to me i also have a player choice option from a bioware game kate yes so you might want to cover your ears for this though because it has to do with mass effect so my favorite romance in the game is the fe- y- yes <laughs> the femship garris romance because he wasn't an option in the first game he was only like a like a companion could take on with you uh when you traveled on missions and they made an option in two and three and i love the build-up to their romance because it isn't like a oh my god i just met you and now i love you kind of thing (laughs) it like built up realistically they start off as like kind of strangers but with a bond of wanting to take down corrupt people and governments and then garris is very young and inexperienced he's like a cop who's wants to do the right thing but he's bound by bureaucracy so as he travels with Shepard, he kind of grows into himself. And then I guess spoilers from Mass Effect, whatever. After Shepard dies in 2, or at the end of the beginning of 2, he goes off and becomes like a renegade. And he's his own guy with this gang. And then when Shepard finds him again, it's like they rekindle that friendship. And it just builds up so naturally from there. And like, they're just, it's so sweet. Like the romance between them, I love it. You know, they're not like yeah. overly lovey, but they're not like a whatever standoffish mm-hmm. Garrus is such a good character he is he's such a well-developed character in that series like even if he wasn't a romance option i'd love him anyway yeah. he's <laughs> i like him a lot Absolutely. as a character i don't romance aliens yeah. but wow <laughs> oh my well, god when the aliens come and take over the earth they'll remember that because they'll have this footage already because i'm sure That's they're fine. avid listeners of the plus That's one player fine. podcast so we actually transmit the plus one player podcast out into space That's for sure fine i'm not interested i'm just letting <laughs> them know yeah i am it's team good to let them know ahead of no, time. Like, like if they want to come here i pledge allegiance to them <laughs> yeah, garrison Re- garrison rex were always my two god i sidekicks. Lo- i love uh, they were my sidekicks yeah, rex they have is the best uh, oh. I never dialogue. got into Mass Effect, and now I'm just waiting for a, a remaster that'll probably never uh, happen. That honestly, that that's such an easy cash cow. I don't it know really why is. they don't do it. Yeah, it's so easy. Although like, Blue I, Point Blue Point Games has been kind of quiet. They're the ones who do a lot of the remasters, so you never know. You never know. I you I never know. In happiness. What about you, Steve? You haven't said anything. So I need to do this because obviously we can't, we can't talk about romance without mentioning Kojima. So I have to give an honorable <laughs> mention to 
the Eva and Big Boss oh, yeah. romance. That's, I like that one. The too. reason why it's just an honorable mention is because I don't think it gets enough screen time to really be my favorite. But there's something there. And yeah. I hope that if another Metal Gear game comes out, I hope that they rekindle that. But my real one, though, is Elena and Nathan Drake mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Uncharted. They last all four games they meet in the first game and it's like right at the beginning of the first game and you can tell it's like all right nate's gonna fall for her but like you can tell elena is like kind of a little standoffish at first because she's like this guy's a fucking psychopath keeps doing all these crazy things and she's just not into you know trying to get killed to find some mythical treasure so she does a lot of like grounding for him which he desperately needs and i know in the second game there was a little bit of like oh no is he like screwing around i think it was uh chloe chloe yeah there was like that little bit with chloe and then you're like oh no elena's back and then you were happy once elena came back because you want to see them together and so spoilers for the fourth one just in case anybody hasn't played it the way it ends is he pretty much says like i'm not going to do this anymore he settles down with elena they have a kid And it's finally that climax of this relationship where he was still getting all this into all these hijinks, him and Sully. Sully's easily the best sidekick in the history of sidekicks. (laughs) Victor Sullivan. I would take a bullet for that man. He's a great man. (laughs) So he does a nice job of like grounding Nate Nate as well, because like he's known him since he was a kid. But Elena's like that final piece where there's a moment in the fourth one where it's basically like, I need to stop doing this. And like, she actually saves him. Because he completely fucks up, gets himself in way too deep, and then her and Sully are the ones who come and save his ass. And, like, without them, he would have been screwed. So, the climax, like, the whole arc of four games between those two was awesome. And it was really cool to see, like, this just goofy, I don't care, I'm, like, the luckiest son of a bitch type of guy on the planet. Especially because, like, Naughty Dog came out and said, like, when he's getting shot at, when you see the screen go red, he's not actually getting hit. It's just his luck running out. So, like, the mm-hmm. whole premise is, like, he's, like, the luckiest guy on the planet. And he really is because he landed Elena, and she is clearly a catch. Mm-hmm. I love Elena. She was fantastic. Great romance. Great series. Okay. I also wanted to talk about Master Chief and Cortana. Oh, yes. nice. Yes. Because I was thinking I was on the train, which is my main podcast prep vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, like... Well, what games have interesting romances and origins came to mind first and then uh and then like the mass effect and the dragon ages and then i was like oh yeah master chief and cortana they have this like whole series they have this like weird tension going on and i'm talking about halo combat evolved through four anything after that is not in my brain i haven't played it and <laughs> not I don't in your repertoire it's not, not in my, in my wheelhouse. So don't at me about it. I'm going to at you don't. so quickly. <laughs> and, you know, they're clearly partners in crime, right? They are, uh, you know, she's an AI that is helping the super soldier destroy the covenant and save humanity. And that's what's happening. But then as, like, the games go on, like, there's definitely this, there's this, like, banter they have, even in the first one that it's like very subtle and you're like is he like is she as an ai like flirting with him <laughs> are his like coy one word responses him flirting with an ai and you're like this is uncomfortable <laughs> and then uh definitely as the series goes on there's like more as things become more dire and like you're you're not sure 
whether he's going to survive, her memory is being eroded over time. His, like, deep love for her is, like, so apparent. Just, like, is, um, you know, her protective nature over him is also really apparent. And, you know, she eventually, well, quote-unquote sacrifices herself because I think she comes back or something stupid in five. But, you know, in that fi- in that f- those final moments, I think, of four, where he finally gets to, like, be with her in, like, this weird internet world, and they're, like, standing across. It's so, I have no idea what happened in that game. But, <laughs> and he's, like, standing across from her, and they, like, walk up to each other, and I think she touches him. They make, I don't know if they kiss or not, but. I, I don't know that they, ki- I think there was physical contact. Though. Yeah, I think they there's, just, like, they just, touch. They just poked. <laughs> Yeah, but as someone who's, like, had played that entire series, it's, like, the slowest burn of slow burns. (laughs) So if you play the whole thing, you're like, oh, my God, they were, like, deeply in love. Yeah. So it was just, like, very powerful. So that's the other one I wanted to mention. So there. Did anyone have any other, like, solid examples they wanted to bring up of like good romance or just like general ideas on good romances well this is uh, kind of a callback to what we were talking about with the interactive storytelling uh, a few episodes back with life is strange and i have to apologize i called max sam it's max it's not sam that was a mistake on my part but max and chloe how you can kind of determine whether or not max is going to end up with chloe or there's a there's a boy who she could end up with as well so I thought that was actually kind of cool where it didn't feel like either story was really forced. You could also choose just to be like, no, I don't want to be <laughs> with anybody. So I really loved the way that they were able to write that for a game with so many choices and so many branching storylines to make it feel like all of those options could feel organic. So I love that we kind of see with more of that interactive storytelling, the ability to explore some of those elements where you can decide on you know who you want to be as a character you can decide on who you want to be with. And it reminds me a lot, too, of... I can't believe I'm saying this, but David Cage's Beyond Two Souls. <laughs> because <laughs> there's a there's a romance element in that where you kind of decide who she ends up with at the end. But with that one, you have to pick one of the three men. You can't just decide to be on your own. So Of course. But in the context of that game, I felt compelled. Like There was a pretty obvious one I wanted to choose based on how I went throughout that game Mm -hmm. so i felt like the writing was kind of conducive to that you know choice but i really love the life is strange one because i really thought they nailed it where they made it so you could make whatever choice you wanted and it 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 will feel natural to the story that you've done up to that point uh one interesting one i want to point out was in the witcher 3 you have the option to romance tris marigold who's kind of been the your girl you've had the chance to be with in like the previous games Yes, I do love Triss. But, and then you also have Yennefer, who has not made an appearance in any of the games until three, and, but all of their backstory is really well developed in the novels that the game's based off of. And for the first time you introduce his character, like they're very hostile towards each other, but you can get a sense of their relationship at the same time. And so even though they're hostile towards each other, you can get a sense of their relationship. And there's a, a moment and spoilers for the witcher 3 where if you chose when you get to the branching points for them like for tris it's like a simple you're like you can kiss her at the fireworks show whatever but with yennefer their whole their whole relationship it's that they're bound together by a spell from a djinn and you have the option to break the spell 
and like not be with her or and break or break the spell and stay with her. Mm. So I was romancing Triss and you can't romance them at the same time. You'll end up alone. So I was like, all right, I'm already romancing Triss at this point. I'm not going to do that. But like the look on her face and the voice acting is incredible in that game, too. It was so sad because it's they're left kind of wondering, well, was it really a, the spell the whole time? I, like, mm-hmm. was it influenced by this relationship? And the way, like, she expresses her emotions in that scene, it didn't feel that way. And then I felt really bad. I'm like, shit, I think I made the wrong choice. But it's all, you know, I thought that was very interesting considering she wasn't introduced until the third game. So. All right. Well, what do you like about good romances? <laughs> what do you think makes a good romance? Or what do you want to see more of in the future? To answer the first question... What do I like about romances in games? I First of all, I like a good romantic subplot. I don't like dating sims where that's, that's just the only thing that you do in the game. But I, I feel like, especially in um, RPGs where you can kind of create your uh, own character and make your own choices and stuff, I feel like romance just adds another layer to all of that. And it sort of deepens your connection to whatever world you're in when you have in addition to having friends and enemies and yada 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 you also have a partner and every time um, i marry al of the huntress i would not cite skyrim as a good <laughs> example of romance but no, really, AL of the huntress is not, cool yeah al the huntress is awesome and we become fucking wolves together and tear oh, apart the town awesome uh, i fucking <laughs> married this guy in uh the thieves guild town rifton he yeah. just fucking stayed indoors. That's so annoying. Cool. And every time I went back, he's like, here's some money. I was yeah. like, okay. Yeah, no, they would do that. Like, You could ask them to come out with you, though. Well, it depends on. Yeah, he was more of a homebody. <laughs> yeah, Ayala. She's a hands-on type of girl. Oh. She likes to turn into a wolf and tear people up. <laughs> <laughs> fucking awesome. I, I married Farkas just because, you know, he's like the dumb. Farkas? <laughs> he's, the, he's, a name. he's the idiot guy in the companion. So just because yeah. his dialogue oh. was like really funny, he's like, hey, honey. Welcome <laughs> home. <laughs> Get me a leg of lamb. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. But um, yeah, I think, I think it just adds more to the game and adds more of that verisimilitude that makes it feel like a real world and makes you feel like a real character in it when it's well done when it's not well done it just feels kind of tacked on and silly but in in like the bioware games it's usually very well done yeah probably that's the only one that i can think of in that style that does a really good job bethesda's sort of trying and they're very behind the eight ball at this point but they they kind of tried in Fallout 4. What about everyone else? What do you like about romance in games? I'd agree with you that I like it as a subplot. Mm-hmm. I, I, I only play like a handful of like real RPGs where like you really get into the whole character making thing and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So I, I don't really come into that too much. But I do enjoy, like I mentioned, like the interactive storytelling method now where there's a lot more games that are actually taking the branching storyline approach. And I do like it when they kind of give you those options depending on how you kind of create that character as your own. So it's still a scripted character one way or the other, but you're making the choices so it feels a little bit like a little bit more of a connection like you mentioned where you have that when you actually do a regular RPG. So I like it as a subplot. 
I'm in the same way. I'm not really a huge fan of the dating sims. I did enjoy Monster Prom when we played that oh, yeah. at PAX East last year. That was actually a lot of fun, but that's because there was a lot of humor in it, and the writing was so yes. damn good. Like, every little line that was said got a chuckle out of me, and I, I never really yeah. thought that a game like that would kind of elicit that response for me, so I really enjoyed playing playing that one. But like you said, I'm not into the, the dating sims either. In terms of, like, the bad... That's why I kind of gave Eva and Big Boss as an honorable mention because Kojima sucks at writing romance. (laughs) The idea of those two, and it's kind of like at this point now the lore that's been built around because you have to connect so many outrageous dots in Kojima's universe. So like the idea of that story is very appealing to me and it's like a cool little lasting love story throughout these like weird decades of just craziness. Oh yeah. Well she, she is like devoted to him. I mean, yeah, no, it's it's incredible, yeah. and but then when you actually start to learn more about Big Boss, that it kind of makes sense, like the type of person he is, and because he yeah. he probably he felt the same way about her. It was just he spoilers for Metal Gear Solid Five, just in case someone comes shouting at me, because he <laughs> literally had to pretend he was dead and hide his identity and create a fake Big Boss. So you went through the entire Metal Gear yeah. Solid Five game as this guy who you thought was Big Boss, and then at the end you revealed that you weren't Big Boss, you were a fake Big Boss, and then you see that it's the end of the game, but it's the beginning of the first, it's the end of the first Metal Gear game, and you're like, holy shit, what just happened? So that's Kojima in a nutshell, and he writes romance like a twelve year old boy. But the idea of those two is really cool. Yeah, so I like, I, agree. <laughs> I like that there's a lot of these cool subplots and there's a lot of good writing going on, not necessarily by Kojima, but I do enjoy <laughs> that there's a lot of these games that are doing some really cool things with romance. And I, I like the choice options, but I also like a good background where, like I mentioned, Elena and Nathan Drake always stand out to me because it was well-written. It had, a, it had ups and downs throughout four games and it had a perfect conclusion where you saw changes in both of them for the better. And so I, I really enjoy that type of writing. Hmm. So on a previous episode where we did Gaming Guilty Pleasures, I admitted that I love dating sim games. Um, <laughs> I think they're really mm. funny most of the time and like how bad they yeah. are. But some of them are really done well. Like Mystic Messenger is the one I play. It's more quote-unquote realistic, as realistic as you can get with anime boyfriends, I guess. Mm-hmm. What's I that think one? It's mis- oh, so Mystic Messenger, it's a mobile game and the whole premise is you downloaded this app and you go into chat rooms and you chat with them in real time but like and you get options to pick from for what to say anywhere from like two to five choices and then depending on your choices is how you romance people and there's like tons of like acting and voice acting and pictures and videos it's really good so and it's in Mm. real time like certain times chat rooms will open and then you have a window to get in and play and do that story and you can there's five different characters i believe there's more now because they have dlc and one of them is a girl which they don't blatantly say like yes you're in a lesbian or bisexual whatever relationship with her because it is a korean game and i know like countries like that it's not they're not as open or accepting of Mm -hmm. those kind of relationships but with like the valentine dlc and christmas dlc they live together they exchange valentine's gifts it's super cute so I thought that was one really progressive because you don't see that in yeah. any Otome games. It's always like, yeah. oh, my long-haired anime boyfriend, oh, you know, <laughs> uh, he's the singer, whatever. But I have to echo the other sentiments of I like having the option of romance. And if it is like a set thing in the story, as long as it's done well and written well, I don't care. But in an RPG setting, I do like having the option. Me too. What about you, Matt? I don't know. 
so I, I feel like uh, most of what I think has been covered by you guys. <laughs> ah, so you just I, you just call it a night, man. You you can just go yeah. home early. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, why didn't you what? say Inquisitor and Dorian for your favorite romances? I don't know, because it, it's not really one of my favorites. Dorian's okay, in my opinion. Okay, just okay. I also are we breaking? Never up? finished We're not the game. Anymore. I never finished the game, so I don't know okay. how it resolves. Yeah, I actually don't. I think the romance between them is kind of like, it's fine. But Dorian himself is just like such a great character that I was yes, sad that character. he was not interested in boobs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was really I rubbed my waxed mustache. I was really on sad them. about that, to be honest with you. But I did you know. like that. What was that elf's name? Zevran. Yes, I actually liked the romance between Zevran and. The champion or whatever the they hero, call him in that game. hero of Ferelden. Yeah. I liked actually that back and forth more than the back and forth between Dorian and the whatever Inquisitor. Yes, and then the other part of the question was like what we want to see, right? Did any yeah. of us answer that? No. Yeah, I don't know. I just want to see more consistently just well written romances, whether it's yeah. Whether it's like actually written where you're playing a main character and they have a romance going on and that's part of it, or it's uh, which I would point to like the Bayek and Aya relationship. It's so good. It's just so good. And then for RPGs going forward, just uh, more variety, more choices. If I want to marry an alien, Kate, (laughs) I should be able to romance that alien. That's fine. But also, like, in that choice, I feel like a wider variety of types of romances is needed, too. I feel like a lot of them are all very, like, oh, now we're in love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When yes. there's, like, definitely different types of long-term relationships that you can have with other people. And also people just express love yeah. differently. Or just short-term so be- relationships. I mean, depending on True, yeah. how you're role-playing, the- like, that might be your character they're not into long term yeah I feel maybe like they want to date around yeah i feel like a lot of rpgs do make it so that you have to make one final choice you know yeah, exactly yeah in um in dragon age inquisition the iron bull is one of the romance options yeah and yeah. like his oh, i love him his He's whole so romance up until the very end is really just that like were people that like to have sex together kind of thing and then at like mm. the very end, randomly, like the last scene with him, he's like, I love you. I'd want to be with you forever. And it's like yeah. really off-putting because it's not in his character. And it's not like every scene up until that point was just him like slapping your character's ass and like <laughs> people walking in on you like in bed together. So it, it was just, yeah, just like, just let it be a, a sexual relationship by where it's fine. Like. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be true love. Or if you want to go and have to go true love, at least let it build to build, that. Don't yeah. just go, I love you. Like, just. Oh, by the way. Let it, you know, have some cutscenes where it's like more intimate. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That was literally David Cage's first game. Indigo was the Fahrenheit, the Indigo Prophecy. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. all of a sudden, these two characters, like one was the guy who was killing people because he was possessed. The other was the cop hunting him down. And then literally out of nowhere, they just fucked I was like, where did that come from? That threw me for a loop because it was like a 2003 game and it's a 2003 David Cage game. So like, 
even double yikes. You're get what you're gonna get. But honestly, like I kind of echo your sentiments, Matt. Where I I want to see, and this kind of goes back to like the whole thing where we talked about representation in gaming. I just want to see developers and writers keep taking chances, like do new things, just try different things because we're all kind of sick of the same just stereotypes of what we are supposed to expect from relationships and entertainment. So just try different things and give, like you said, more variety. And if they keep going the route that they're going, I think we're going to get yeah. that. So I think we're kind of in that, like we've, we've said numerous times, we're in that sweet spot. We're in that like renaissance of gaming where like some amazing things are happening because there's a lot of crossover going on. There's a lot of, there's a lot more mainstream appeal and there's a lot more, I guess, production value put into these things. So I think we're going to keep seeing everything kind of move in that direction, but like I said, just more creativity, take more chances, give us new stories, just like yeah. new things to get invested in because that's what we're always looking for is just something new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why we have what? gaming backlogs because we just say, fuck yeah. those things. I want the new thing. <laughs> <laughs> one one thing I think would be cool and maybe this has happened and I just haven't played it is like, you know how you have games like God of War where you have Atreus as your sidekick and then... Bioshock Infinite, you have Elizabeth as your sidekick, and those were more, like, parental relationships. I think it would be cool to have either, like, a husband and wife or two boyfriends or, like, whatever the relationship is. It's a romantic two relationship. Two boyfriends? Whoa! Well, they're, they're boyfriends with each other. <laughs> Kate just... No, I thought you meant, like, oh. you Kate wanted wants two boyfriends. <laughs> no, she means in a video game, like, it's like like boyfriend-boyfriend couple. Yeah, like a couple. You have a couple... That is the main character and the sidekick, I think would be... Uh, and of course, you have to make the sidekick like effective and not useless. Um, <laughs> but I, th- I think that would be a cool dynamic to see, does their relationship, you know, weather the conflict or does it tear them apart? Like, I think that would be kind of interesting to see. Because usually you have people falling in love in the game, so it would be neat to sort of start it with like a pre-established couple and see what happens with them. Just something different. Oh, and the only other thing we didn't talk about was like really bad ones. Ooh. I'm pretty sure there's some terrible stuff in Heavy Rain. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, when it's bad in a video game, it's just like extra cringe because usually video game animations like can't get, you know, the the caressing the face or the kiss or whatever, like can't yeah. get it quite right anyway. <laughs> and, you know, if it's a good romance, you just kind of overlook it. But if it's a bad romance, it just adds to like the like, people sort of like oh i love you so much (laughs) 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 like smacking each other in the face and it's like their mouths just like yeah just two polygons like (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and it's you're already cringing because the dialogue is bad and then it's just oh dear it's even like in a movie you can fast forward you can skip but in a video game unless they give you the option right like a cutscene, it's like i have to sit through this to play the rest of the game yeah and then, like, with the David Cage thing, it's, like, press X to unhook her bra. And I'm, like, this is, <laughs> and you have, I don't oh, want to do this, but I want the achievement, so I guess I'm doing it. Um, I don't know that I've played any games with, like, a romance. I was, like, oh, my God. Yeah, actually, I was trying to think of, like, a really bad one, and I'm, like, I can't Like, really I, I make jokes about Kojima because, like, he definitely writes yeah. <laughs> like a child. Because, like... You go back to Metal Gear Solid 1, like, that's a bad romance angle when he tries to, like, force a Merrill and Solid Snake, like, romance on you when clearly Snake is his whole vision. And, like, I take this a lot from the Metal Gear Solid book that the Birches wrote, Anthony and Ashley yeah. Birch, because they mention how 
Solid Snake is the conduit for the player, and you can tell that, like, Kojima's target demographic was, like, young teenage boys <laughs> and, like, middle teenagers and shit. And so Solid Snake is basically thinking all these things that these, like, innocent, kind of shy teenagers would think. So when Psycho Mantis is threatening him with his biggest fear, his biggest fear is literally Meryl coming on to him. That's his oh. biggest fear. Oh, yeah. Because if, so, like, yeah, if you're 13, if you're 13, that's just, scary, right? Yeah. I can't, like, I can't wait to stream Metal Gear Solid 1 just so I can go through all that and just show how absurd all of it is. Because, like, that's some bad romance writing. Especially because the Solid Snake Meryl thing is just fucking terrible. You can't, you yeah. can't have it. You just can't Yeah, have no, it. it's they're, not. They're incompatible. And at least you figured that out by, by the end. Well, like... She did. <laughs> like, well, she I mean, I mean Kojima quickly. figured it out by the time he wrote MGS4, because she's off doing her yeah. own thing with Johnny, so. Johnny. Johnny's shit for brains. Who's, like, really hot in the face, it, which was, like, weird for me when he took off his mask, and I was like, oh. And then the you're like, oh, that's like, the guy that's been pooping the entire pooping himself. fucking game. Yeah, this is the guy who poops <laughs> his pants, but, like, oh. he's, like, pretty handsome. Hot in the face, not in the brain. Not in the trousers so yeah that was bad but like i like i don't i don't know many like super bad ones that stick out because most of them that are like super bad i guess yeah i mean so i i don't know if i'd call it like bad but like the romance in final fantasy 15 is very underdeveloped which is fine except like they keep trying to come back to it as like reasons for the protagonist to do different things and it's just like you've had this you've had like 10 minutes of screen time with this character and like you're not even in the same room you're writing in a journal to each other so like i don't really feel like you would go to the ends of the earth for her because i I don't feel like there's any relationship here other than like you guys were engaged in like a political marriage so you know it, it wasn't like terrible or cringy or anything it was just like stop game stop trying to like make this important because it's not like so yeah yeah the bad ones are just usually more that where it's just like eh i'm not feeling it i'm not feeling the chemistry between these two characters or i'm not seeing a valid reason for them to care about each other as much as you say they do or it's just skyrim where you just go up to somebody with a necklace and you're like hey do you want to get married marriage necklace and they're like (laughs) you want to go to the marriage store i'll live in your house and give you 50 gold that you can pickpocket from me and then get it from me again like so yeah i don't know but hey they they let you marry somebody in that game if you want to but there were no elf options Racist. So, so you won't date an alien, but you'll date an elf. Yeah. Kate wants to be an elf, I think, more than she's a, than wants even to an elizin. Like. You date an elizin. Oh my god! They, yeah. She they look elves. like aliens. No, they not don't. Not Sir Emmerich. Not Sir Emmerich. Sir Emmerich you can't date him. Is my husband. We're not dating. <laughs> we're married. <laughs> All right. Well, that was our discussion on romance and games. If you have any thoughts about great romances in games that we haven't talked about, or if you want to call in with a swipe right or die alone character, answer Kate's questions yeah. in order. And we'll in. guess. We'll guess who it is. You can call this number. 347-509-5620. All right. Let's move on to patch notes. This is patch notes 1.24.19. 
in which we update you on the latest gaming news that broke since last we spoke. I do have to mention that Patch Notes is brought to you by Evil Tim Industries. And of course, <laughs> Evil Tim Industries would like everyone to know that they are very near and dear to them, except for you. You know who you are, and you know that we have not forgotten what you did. Evil Tim Industries, thank you for sponsoring Patch Notes. Thank you, Timothy. I think we have a few. I don't have one, but I think That's we fine. have a few good ones. Uh, who would like to go first? It's all right. I would like to start. Yeah, it's right. pretty go relevant to. Uh, yeah, pretty relevant to the topic of the pod. So today, on the Ubisoft forums, uh, after the news about how in the latest DLC for um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, how you were forced into a hetero sexual relationship in order oh, to yeah, but... carry out like the bloodline whatever uh, I guess spoilers but it's been all over the news so they have posted on their forums DLC 1.2 production update hello all after hearing player feedback and discussing within the development team we are making changes to a cutscene and some dialogue in Shadow Heritage to better reflect the nature of the relationship for players selecting a non-romantic storyline these changes along with remaining along with renaming a trophy slash achievement are being made now and will be implemented in an upcoming patch. We've also been carefully looking at the next episode bloodline to ensure the paths that players experience mirror the choices they make in the game. Nice. So when that whole fiasco happened, they were very quick to apologize and to give like a further extended apology. And I'm really pleasantly surprised that they're going to address that in the actual product rather than we're sorry we did this. We won't do it again. Right. Yeah, like, it goes into what we were saying last was it, yeah, it was last week. Yeah, that they're they're really just making the right moves after the fact. So like they realized that this was a bad thing. They 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 contradicted what they were telling people from the beginning, and they they're doing everything they can to correct mm -hmm. it. So it goes into what we were saying that they Ubisoft is really good at kind of maintaining this games as a service. They have a ton of games that are going strong because they keep focusing on them. So. I'm happy to see that they, they corrected that. Yeah. 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 I, I honestly didn't think they were going to, like, correct it as much yeah. as they yeah. say they are. I thought they would just apologize and move on. So, yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Yeah, just like we said last week, like, it just doesn't make sense from a gameplay or story perspective. Yeah. yeah. That choice in, in, in the first place. So, even if you if you just look at it from that perspective, like, it's really cool that they're making that change yeah. to mm -hmm. write a clear mistake so mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome yeah um and you know what's like so like i'm really glad that they changed it too because they advertise at least in the assassin's creed game like that this pro this work of art is made by people of all diverse backgrounds and like ethnicities yeah, and they always have that. so that's why when this happened i was like what the hell like i can't imagine working there and then finding out that happened right especially because in the game you have the choice that's exactly why it's yeah, yeah. If exactly. in the game you didn't have the choice then it wouldn't it be wouldn't an matter, issue yeah. right but they yeah. built this whole reputation of odyssey it's like our first you know dive yeah. into the rpg element you're gonna have a choice and pick who you want to romance if you're gonna romance anyone and then you're forced into that and it's like fuck. yeah it just didn't make sense not at all cool okay. well i can i can go next um okay. my patch is sort of in the same spirit of people possibly listening to their fan base and changing things. So this article is from Kotaku by Ethan Gotch. Gatch? I have Gotch. an Ethan Gatch article too. <laughs> he's, he's very prolific today. So Bethesda outlines how Fallout 76 new PvP mode will work. 
In a blog post today, Bethesda announced that Fallout 76 upcoming player versus player mode will go into beta in March and will be called survival. Unlike in the regular game, the stakes in survival will be higher with no rules of engagement and the potential to lose more valuable items if you die. Uh, according to Bethesda, survival is a response to feedback from the game's more competitive players requesting a hardcore PvP system. It'll be separate from the main game, which will be renamed Adventure Mode. Unlike in Adventure Mode, PvP and survival won't be based on the current consent system. A scaling system will be in place to make it easier for lower level players to fight back against higher level ones. And one thing that's supposed to woo players into this new mode is the prospect of better rewards. You'll get double the caps, and you will also be able to loot enemies, well, or loot other players more thoroughly. There won't be any revenge system, and finally, this new mode will also have a server-specific leaderboard. So you can check in and see where you are on that, um, I guess, for the competitive aspect. Is that really something that people are asking for with Fallout 76? I I don't know. I don't know what people are asking for with Fallout 76, really. I mean, yeah. Admittedly, I don't like, either. Other than, I like, unsubbed. you know, l- less bugginess. But, I, again, like, I, I've, I've kind of steered a little clear of it just because I know it's been such a mess where I'm really waiting for them to kind of get their act together and just, I don't know, deliver... I want to see them just deliver more consistent content without some of the bugs. And I, and I understand like multiplayer games is a lot of stuff. Like we've seen it with destiny and I kind of worry it might happen with Anthem. I hope it doesn't, but like you see that sometimes it takes a little bit like elder scrolls online. I feel like wasn't too popular right at the launch. Uh, It was, it was really bad at launch actually. Yeah. And so things do take time. So obviously it's been, you know, like four years after the fact when I hop into ESO, but it's a very smooth experience. Like, it feels like they, they figured everything out. Now, obviously, we're saying we don't want it to take four years to, to get it going. But I don't think it will. I think that they'll start to see what's going wrong and start to correct some servers and things like that where there's the lag and things like that. But I think a lot of it was came down to content. Like, you yeah. had people. Like, we talked about that. <laughs> there was a couple episodes back. We talked about the guy. <laughs> I who am made, your endgame yeah, content. made himself into an endgame content because there just wasn't enough there. So... It, it, it kind of comes with the territory when you're making an online game where you're going to keep giving content. But I think the problem was they released it too early. And they that did. was the thing is there just wasn't enough there to keep people really interested. So, yeah, I have a clarifying question. Yeah. Are they saying they're creating two separate servers? One is an adventure mode server and the other is like a PVP only server. It just says modes. So from the the menu, you'll be able to pick whether you go in adventure mode, which is the way the game is now, or whether you go into PvP. So I don't know if they will actually be um, separate servers, but they'll be separate instances at least. You won't run into people playing yeah. adventure mode if you're in PvP mode, I would assume. I think they're going to have their own set of problems with that. We've seen how PvP has evolved in World of Warcraft from... You can kill anyone anywhere in the world to dedicated servers that are normal, that are PvP, to then everyone missing, like PvP uh, or world PvP. The community is never going to be happy. And I think splitting up into separate instances or servers like that is just going to create another set of problems instead of really solving anything. Just from what I've seen with 
World of Warcraft. Okay. Yeah. And that. One other thing I'd say is level scaling never works. It never it doesn't work in any game ever. That, there's no way that a level 20 character will ever be as powerful as a level 50 character with even if you boost them and do equipment differences, stuff like that just doesn't work. It's never worked in any game. Won't work in Fallout. Yeah, I um I guess to me and again like I'm not playing 76 so I don't I'm not reading too deeply into like what people are clamoring for, but I do play a lot of other Fallout games, and I know in general the Fallout fan base seems to really like the story and the lore and exploring and everything, so I guess it just seems a little strange to me that the first sort of major change they're making to Fallout 76 is to revamp PvP and throw in a new PvP mode, because I, I know at least at launch everyone was like, we want NPCs, please give us NPCs, we want more stuff to do yeah i i don't know and maybe maybe all those people have quit and it and now the people that are playing are people who are more interested in pvp or whatever i don't know it just it just seems like a little odd to me that this is their big first i imagine it's just something they're announcing as like hey we're gonna try this out with like bigger changes down the line that they probably haven't mentioned yet yeah, I'm sure they have a ton of things lined up over the coming months. Like, there's there's no doubt in my mind that I'm sure they're going to have multiple things quarterly at this point. Well, I, and we've I seen hope so. like Sea of Thieves have a resurgence lately. Yeah, which, it's half like, off. I got to snag it. Definitely Same. didn't have as uh, yeah. robust content uh, in the beginning, but they did almost immediately after have a very robust content calendar. I do remember that. So, so we'll see. Yeah, we will. Like see. Steve said, ESO definitely turned it around. They listen to fan feedback. They change a lot of things based on fan feedback. So I think if Final Fantasy fourteen same relaunched same the exact game. situation, yeah. yeah, they completely revamped it. Listen to the players. So I think if Bethesda's paying attention, that's what they need to do. They need to listen to the players, really consider yeah. what they're saying, and um, make their changes from there. So we'll see. All right. So I will round out the patch notes with my article, and again from Kotaku with Ethan Gatch. Gotcha. Gotcha. BioWare says they're adding a social hub to Anthem because fans asked for it. Anthem, BioWare's upcoming online loot shooter, is only a month out from release, comes out on February 22nd, and is already changing based on player feedback. The game's lead producer, Michael Gamble, announced on Twitter yesterday that following feedback gathered from Alpha Test players in recent weeks, the game will be getting a social hub. After a mission, you can head back to Tarsus and catch up with some of the amazing characters we've created for you, or... Head back to the brand new launch bay. Hang out with your friends, use the forge, reload, and grab a new contract, Gamble tweeted. Yeah, we listen to you, dot, 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 details soon. So far, the launch bay looks pretty small and bare bones, but by giving up to 16 players a place to chill between missions and show off their custom mech suits, it certainly looks like an improvement over just talking with teammates over voice chat. As more people played the game during its closed alpha test in December, some were shocked to find that something like the launch bay didn't already exist. Earlier this month, someone on Twitter asked Bioware why that was. A lot of people are concerned about Fort Tarsus not being a social area, the person wrote. Players like seeing other players. Take The Division, Destiny, and Warframe, for example. Socially connected games have longevity. And so the article actually goes on to mention that Warframe didn't even get a social hub until like four years after the fact. But we all know that Destiny had it right from the beginning. Yeah. Um, when you're starting off early, it's the farm, and then it's the tower. And so 
it was kind of first baffling. First Destiny had it too. Yeah. I thought yeah. until you literally just right. read that, I thought Fort Tarsus was the I, same. Same. Yeah, that's, same. As soon as I read that, I remember because we when we talked like, about what? like you know what we were looking forward to. Uh, this is you know at the beginning of the year, the end of last year, we had one of the episodes. And we were talking about how Fort Tarsus, we, we automatically thought this is going to be the tower. Yeah. And so when, yes, I, when I read obviously. this, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? Like, yeah. there wasn't, like, how do you, how do you, I, I, like, all I was thinking. How does is, nobody have that thought? I was like, how do you group up? How do you, yeah. <laughs> like, I thought that's where you How do you show people. off your mech? Yeah. So yeah. I will say it's, it's very, it's good that they're adding it before launch, but I'm a little concerned of right. what else they forgot. <laughs> yeah. What what else did they not think needed to be in their multiplayer game? It's it's Guns. so weird. It's so weird because I got to tell you everybody everybody who's played this game that I follow, you know, on social media in the in the games industry, cuz I know a ton of people lately have been getting their hands on it. And everybody who plays it has nothing but amazing things to say about the gameplay. And so I keep hearing these awesome I heard things the about the gameplay. The guns were a little lackluster. Oh well. <laughs> so I've heard the gameplay is amazing. So maybe maybe I need to find the lackluster guns guy. But it, it it's it's crazy to hear these like very contradictory statements where it's like yeah. amazing gameplay and then they forget like a very I feel like a common thing in an online MMO shooter, but at least they're listening. I'm still going to get Anthem when it comes out. Like let's be real. I'm too intrigued. I need to know. I'm I, I want to play it so we can talk about it. So I'm going to get it. Yeah, same. Thank I'm just you, so Steve. Curious. I'm so for curious. contributing to the Dragon Age Four fund. Hopefully, ah, that's, that's what <laughs> I do you. for you, Kate. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Great. Well, that was patch notes one point two four point one nine. Steve, would you like to round out the podcast? All right. So we do have a voicemail from our good buddy Jeremy. And Jeremy, we know we we got your voicemail about Fortnite. I gotta tell you. We've just been a little fatigued about talking about Fortnite, but I promise you we will play that and discuss your voicemail because it was very good. We appreciate that one. So, yes, But we this do. one, we're going to do your latest one. So this is from our good friend Jeremy. Hey, Plus One Player. It's uh, Jeremy, a.k.a. MrNerdTeacher.tumblr.com. Apologize for the rain in the background. If you can hear it, I had to step out on the balcony to call you so I wouldn't wake my wife. I just had some would-you-rather feedback for you. Uh, first of all, I found it amusing that one of your horrible would-you-rather situations on the last episode was the idea of using a mouse and keyboard to play Smash Brothers, because if you Google the Smash Box, uh, it is a special controller that certain pros prefer because it doesn't have a joystick. It's buttons only, uh, which obviously you could emulate very easily on a keyboard. So my choice would be that one. I would just have to learn how to play like a pro. And uh, I have a would-you-rather that I think you guys might find entertaining. So uh, would you rather have every game feature frequent and horrifically long loading screens? Uh, I'm kind of basing this on Sonic 06. They had to have a minute-long loading screen every time you entered a new area. Uh, so would you rather have that for every game or... Every game features blatant and poorly integrated product placement, such as Kratos having emotional conversations with his son about the importance of Arby's baby back rib sandwich. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, thanks for all the podcasts. Big fan, and I hope to hear from you guys soon.
I gotta say, I love how he signs off his voicemail when I hope to hear from you guys soon because we sign up the podcast with we'll talk to you all very soon. So thank you very much for that. I am hands down doing the product placement. I think that'd be fucking hilarious. Yeah, loading screens loading. in every oh, game. Get rid of loading screens. They're too. But loading screens, long face. loading screens yeah. in every game. One minute. Get out of my face. Screen. Yeah. You know how long a minute is when you're waiting to get into like the main, like the the final boss fight. Arthur Morgan just pulls out a fucking uh, Coca Cola. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I'm going with the loading screens because I don't want. I mean, I agree. It would be funny once in a while, but I don't want. Like every, every game, game to it be would never, It would funny. never not be funny for me. <laughs> well, I still like laugh some, at the I Wayne's don't... World scene when he's just all in the Reebok outfit. He's like, yeah, man. <laughs> some people just sell out. I don't think that's cool. I think <laughs> A it's character that you love is dying. Yeah. Dies. And then the other character walks up and's like, should have had life alert. <laughs> that'd be fucking great. No, that's not a good example because that's Yeah, I would that would be laugh. so funny. <laughs> I would laugh my that's ass funny. off. Funny. <laughs> but it ruins uh, the it ruins like the tone and the, the mood. immersion. Yeah. Oh, because I'd rather have a loading screen. I'll just get a drink or something. Don't ruin the immersion. I don't know. I'm still playing that's on like a PS4 point. classic. So, I have long loading screens all the time. It's fine. I am very impatient. I hate long loading times. Yeah, like, throw oh a my subway God, ad in there. I don't give a fuck. Whatever. Okay. Crater. So, Kate, Kratos your loading KFC. screen. I'm loading screens Steve, for sure. Steve, your product placement. Yeah. Christine, your product placement. I... Can you imagine Aldrin Sov and like a NASCAR thing? <laughs> just just so covered in like Riley see his butt. Hardy's ads. I don't know. Man, this sign sure is in the way, but I love Fig Newtons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I might be on loading screen, but with the caveat that I'd have to know how frequent they are. Is it ev- once every hour? I can handle that. Is it once every 30 minutes? I can probably also handle that. Every time is it you once need to every load. like 10 minutes? Then I'd choose product placement. That was a good one. Thank that you. That was a really that was good one. Yeah, that was really good. Thank Thanks, Jeremy. So after that, if you guys have your own would you rathers, or like we mentioned, if you have any romance questions you'd like to pose our way, or if you'd like to throw a character for swipe right or die alone, answer Kate's questions and then we'll guess it on the next podcast. Give us a call at 347-509-5620. And with that, it is time to round out the show. And since it's the last show of the month, we have to give a shout out to our wonderful Patreon supporters. And they are Alex Mill, Darren Simmons, David Campos, Derek Hauser, Ernesto Martinez, Evil Tim, Greg Kearney, Liz Rodriguez, Matt Antoine, Get Well Soon Bear, Merovingian, Nerdiest Brands, Riamaleski, Remy Archibald, Sandra, Tambo, the one and only phase, the hashtagonist, and Vincent Thomas. Thank you guys so much for supporting us month in and month out. You guys mean the world to us. We're able to do what we do because of the support you give us on a daily basis. We love you so much. And if you guys want to be part of this amazing group of Patreon supporters, think of heading on over to patreon.com slash plus one player. If you're feeling generous, throw us a buck or two like these fine folks do because every dollar you send us goes right back to the show to make it the best podcast it can possibly be. And if you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode we've done, go on over to whatever podcast service you listen to us on, whether it be Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict, whatever it might be. Give us a like, leave us a review, subscribe to us. It goes a long way and your support means the world. It's been a lot of fun this episode. 
love was in the air. We had some good romance conversation. <laughs> and we had a great voicemail from our good friend, Jeremy, the nerdy teacher. So as we wind down episode 64, we really hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed making it for you. And with all that, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you. And we will talk to you all very soon. My so cat's tail is getting dangerously close to this candle. Sorry. Oh, great. So we're just going to burn <laughs> the house. <laughs> we're just going to see a flaming cat run by it randomly in this. And it all fantastic. Noise.